0: Let's intro it and talk about stuff officially and on the record. Listeners! You're you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This here is a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie which we will spoil, and uh, also talk about Recently Watched, which we will try not to spoil. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you could buy it digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. We're not professional critics; we're just three friends talking about movies. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Hello. And Will. Hello. So, guys, <laughs> we're here again, uh, virtually. Maybe we'll do this in person next week. Mm-hmm. I had this. Yeah,
1: we should.
0: I had this little scheme going. You'll, no, you'll notice I have a boom on the mic here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, long story short, the mic that came with the whole setup uh, was a doorstop. It didn't work at all. It wasn't the cord. Oh, no. uh, I was hoping it was going to sound, you know, a little more, it's a condenser instead of a dynamic, which is just to say it captures just your voice and not the yeah. toenails of the dogs and the distant barking <laughs> or the motorcycles going by
1: but it didn't even capture your voice.
0: It didn't capture nothing. (laughs) So I just put my mic in the stand until I pack it all back up and exchange it for one that maybe works. And if it works and it sounds good, then we, then I'll get two more because the price was good.
2: If you have a spare mic at your place, uh, is it possible to get Izzy in? Has she been shot?
0: Um, yeah, she has been shot. Um, I think we're, we're, I think, um, I think Ziggy's got a week left until she's, I think that's, the time frame on it.
2: about right, Two weeks from the second one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's got a week left on that or I, I could be wrong, but um, in any event, uh, almost everybody I know is, is getting past that second shot now. And great.
2: What about Jackie, the Nicholas Cage expert?
0: Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I bet it would be great to have her back in the studio and uh, we'll make new friends. I'm going to be doing a, uh, a live in-person uh, table at, uh, Hearst con in a couple weeks. Oh, so uh, maybe I'll meet more people who care about horror and want to be yeah, on an episode this is in and, horror movies. Yeah. And if there, you know what, here's another exciting thing about here in Denver. Um, three, four times, I think four times now I've driven past horror bar. Hmm. There is a line down the block. Really? Uh, yes. Like 40, it looks like to me about a 40 minute wait to get in. If I were to guess by having waited for, restaurants on the sidewalk before. That's pretty wow. cool. Wow,
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. For listeners who don't know here in Denver, we have a horror themed bar that just opened up a month and a half ago, maybe like just like, er- like that. early stages of let's get past the pandemic. And, um, and it looks like they're going to have success, which is very exciting.
2: You should do all but for the window or something.
0: Yeah. I would think that would be, Pretty cool. <laughs> I, yeah. get, I mean, once I feel like I should head on in there, it's going to be like, well, when is your slow time where I can just walk in? I'm not waiting on the sidewalk.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you open yeah. at eight a.m.? Yeah.
0: Well, can we can we have some breakfast? <laughs> <I> <laughs> like a real when,
1: bar. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, like the kind like of dive
1: bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, like a proper dive bar where old men stroll in. <laughs>
1: at eight a.m. yeah
0: yeah, those are the saddest places, but there's also a coziness to them. <laughs> uh, we normally have about 20 minutes of uh, banter and recently watched. So do either of you oh. want to start the recently watched?
1: You'd better go first because I've got a Okay. I'll go because uh, the weather has changed. It's nice outside. So uh, my TV watching has dropped way off. Yeah. Um.
0: Well, not today. I mean.
1: No, today would have been a good day to watch TV. Uh, instead, we went to an antique mall in Littleton and uh, wandered around nervously without a mask.
0: Oh, that must have felt weird.
1: They, uh they weren't requiring them. Some people had them. I had one, but I was like, well, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Play it die. Uh, <laughs> right. uh. So anyway, uh, uh, all this, all I watched this week really was, uh, a couple episodes of discovery. We're rounding out season t- two, um, and a couple episodes of the Wyatt Cenac uh, problem areas show that I mentioned a week or two ago. Um, I kind of had that on in the background and that's really about it. Um, I did watch a movie though last night after uh, Frighteners since I signed up for stars to watch Frighteners. Um, seven day free trial. Uh, gotta <laughs> remember to sign Can- out.
0: Cancel. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm not gonna pay for stars, but uh, uh, oh God, what's the name of that? I just blanked on it. It's so stupid.
0: Who's in oh, uh, it? What's it about? The Craft Legacy. Oh, how was the, that reboot?
1: The new, the new Craft movie from last year. Uh, it was entertaining. It was a lot, a lot of schlock. Uh, okay. David Duchovny's in it. Nice. And uh, he plays a uh, kind of men's group leader who may or may not be a warlock or aligned with the devil or something. It's very, uh, uh, a very thin script, unfortunately. Hmm. The movie's only about 90 minutes long. It feels like it spins its wheels a whole bunch. Nothing really happens. Um, And then at the end, it's kind of, oh, we got to wrap this up. And so something happens. And uh, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't good. I'm not going to say it's good, a good movie. I was entertained, though. We had a lot of fun laughing at it. Um, There's a cameo by somebody at the end, at the very end. uh, It's good, but super brief.
0: I have to ask, Uh, was there any attempt to replace the original characters or did they kind of just introduce new ones? Well,
1: you'll have to watch it. It's called Legacy for a reason.
0: Okay, so it's their their children or something. Okay, because I, I was going yeah. to say, to try to replace Feruza Bulk, you know, like... I'd be done. Yeah, w- without, yeah, without her, there is no The Craft.
1: Yeah, the witches this time around are... Uh, they're very uh, teens of today. Hmm. They're very self-aware. Um, uh, nobody... Loses their shit and and goes mad with power.
0: That's too bad. Uh, which
1: you kind of expect from one of these movies. There's not really uh, any villain in this. They set up David Duchovny to be the villain, but it comes in so late. I mean, you, it's. I can't say it's out of left field. You you realize it pretty soon that oh something's up with David Duchovny. Hmm. Uh, also because a movie typically has some sort of villain yeah. Um, you know and uh, we made a lot of jokes about his Californication character (laughs) and and being a sex pest and how you don't want to wake up at David Duchovny's house (laughs) not knowing where you were Uh, I'm sure he's a fine man but uh, he seems a little creepy in this film um but
0: yeah, that's it for me. Wow. Well, um, for me, I did watch just some regular television, and uh, that's always a thing that'll happen. But uh, I got I got um, started on um, Barry Lyndon, uh, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, a couple of Kubrick films that I've never seen have popped up on uh, HBO Max, and I said, okay. I really only know vague references to Lolita basically being a story of an underage girl having a relationship with some inappropriately old dude and uh, she appears to somehow be into it, but, you know, whatever. I don't really know what that story is necessarily about. I know it's based on a Russian novel. And Barry Lyndon, I know, has a picture of some boots and a dude holding a gun for the poster. I know nothing of this movie. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start with Barry Lyndon. And it was kind of late at night, and it's kind of a slow start. And I said, I am going to fall asleep to this. So I put that one on pause. And then uh, I just want to start it over and just say, all right, I'm going to start it after I've had my coffee and, you know, not not like at 11 at night. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: It's, it's pretty No, it,
1: no, it's, it's real slow, I yeah, remember.
0: Yeah, I was maybe 20 minutes into it, and I, and I could just feel <laughs> sleep creeping on. But Lolita, I, I was like, okay, I don't know how he handled this material. I don't really know what the material is. I just know that it's a vague reference all the time that people say the stuff.
2: famous book by uh, Nabokov. Uh,
0: what's that?
1: Yeah.
0: Vladimir Nabokov, yes. Um,
1: yeah, it's quite the book.
0: Yeah, and I understand that there were some changes because I had to do a little reading on it. It's like, this seemed really tame, but it's also um, a 1962 movie and you're dealing with the uh, the Hays Code of the 1930s as being your, your moral compass you have to use, which means yeah. a lot of stuff is going to be coded or double entendres or whatever. And it's like, you're not even going to really get the the dirt of the story and what it's supposed to be by following this movie.
2: It's also played as a black comedy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it really is. It's Peter Sellers is in it, which he's, he's great, of course. And, uh, and I'm watching this movie and I'm like, I don't really, I don't really think I'm getting the story that you would get from the novel or maybe the newer version of the movie. So I just watched it as, a nice black and white early 60s movie and you're just letting the characters be more innocent and you're looking at the cars and the advertisements <laughs> and, you know trying yeah to, I trying to read I between the lines the, yeah
1: I watched the the remake first before I saw uh, Kubricks or read the novel and ooh, looking back on it I don't think they made a lot of good choices.
0: <laughs> Yeah, Uh, some difficult The novel is,
1: uh, I don't know, it's a real uh, unreliable narrator there.
0: Yeah, you're getting it from the point of view of the abuser. I mean, to call him what he is. Yeah. You know, because he's the adult, he should be saying no. And uh, whether the girl is supposed to be 12, like in the novel.
1: Uh, She's not into it. Or it's all in his
0: head. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause it's, it's voiceover. So, you know, from the narration that it's his point of view, you don't really know. So, uh, it was weird, but it was kind of cool to see, uh, some of the early use of, uh, Kubrick, uh, directing tricks, like the movie starts from the end and then does that four years later thing. But you see like the staircase setup from The Shining. When he's having it out with uh Dr. What's his face? Uh, right,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the, the, the setup is very similar to Jack and uh Wendy in The Shining. So that was it was cool to see some of that. You know, less of the really dramatic one point perspective, but you could see where he was going. So that was pretty neat to to see that. But Uh, couldn't make a lot of sense of, um, you know, again, like you said, unreliable narrator. And like I said, other than some television, that was kind of it. Uh, you know, as far as movies, I did put on Jason X today, uh, as background watching (laughs) because of something Will said earlier today in text, but I was uh, trying to get the mic all set up and tidy up some things. And I was like, I'll just put on Jason X. I know what happens in that movie. And uh, it, it gets better every time I watch it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Jolien, what about you?
2: All right. Go make yourselves a cocoa. Get comfy.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, Santo and Blue Demon versus the Monsters, 1968. Uh, yeah. this, in this one, Santo is up against. All right. Mad Scientist. Mad Scientist assistant Waldo, the hunchback dwarf, Uh, a clone of Blue Demon, uh, zombie henchmen wrestlers, a random Martian who who just stands around in the lab and no one acknowledges that he's there. Hmm. Um, It's the same Martian that's in uh, Ship of Monsters, which is a great uh, Mexican sci-fi thing. Um, There's a Cyclops, I think also from Ship of Monsters. There's Frankenstein monster, uh, who has a moustache and a Johnny Depp goatee, nice. and uh, a and kind of proto wolf hairstyle? Um, there's a El Hombre Lobo. There's a Momia. There's a El Vampiro Humano, and there are two uh, Mujer um, Vampiro. Santo uh, snogs one despite already having a girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> because he's man. a man.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Yes. My favourite bit is uh, Santo takes his girl, his actual steady girlfriend Gloria, to this uh, uh, club called uh, Maxim, and they're sitting at a table, and uh, uh, suddenly it turns into this musical, and and then, uh, so they're pretending to watch this stage musical at the club, but it's obviously from a film at least ten years earlier. It's wow. this whole bandwagon number uh, goes on for quite a bit, uh, and then um, the, and then the monsters pile into the club and uh uh santo sticks frankenstein with a with a what he calls an electronic vibrator which turns out to be a (laughs) uh tracking device and he follows them back to their lair, and and uh more fighting ensues
0: something got lost in translation with the word vibrator
2: yeah he definitely (laughs) says electronic vibrator um (laughs) Santa and Blue Demon in Atlantis from the following <laughs> year. Um, this has got tons of uh, stock footage, especially at the start. Um, it's got, there's lots of rocket footage from uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster. Um, uh, there's also, they also use footage of another rocket, but they pretend it's the same rocket. It's obviously a dip, completely different, one. got Chinese markings on it. Um, So you've got this guy called uh, Hugo Ulrich, who's a Nazi scientist who is now uh, calling himself Achilles and hanging out in Atlantis. And uh, uh, after a while, about 16 minutes into the movie, Santo turns up and he's agent X-21 of global security. Um, So Achilles plans to uh, destroy the world with hydrogen bombs and repopulate it with his super race. So it's quite James Bondy, this one. Uh, Blue Demon gets captured again and turned against Santo again. Uh, that, that happens in most of the, the entries. Um, <laughs> stops for a musical number again, uh, but this time they're just watching it on TV. they just sit, he, he sits down in front of the TV. Uh, and he just watches and it just shows the entire musical number. anyway. <laughs> um, uh, you've got check Shark. Uh, every time they, to get into the uh, Atlantis base, you have to swim underwater through this tunnel. And every time they show the shark, but it never pays off. Um, so that was, that was fun, too. Um, all right. So I watched a British movie called uh, A Perfect Woman from 1949. It's uh, directed by Bernard Knowles. Uh, this is a comedy about a scientist who makes an android named Olga. And she's modeled on his niece. Um, mm, because creepy. he only knows two women. <laughs> and <laughs> the other uh, was his mother. Yeah, the other one's his uh, housekeeper. Oh. <laughs> oh. Played by Irene Handel. She's really funny, but... Uh, um, anyway, uh, so he he hires an equally dotty man, this uh, upper-class idiot. So obviously Jeeves and Worcester sort of thing. He's this idiot who's got this like sarcastic butler, uh Played by Stanley Holloway, uh, and uh, he hires these these two to give his android a test run for the day, and uh, so um, hilarity ensues. Um, They're not to mention the word love because she's not being programmed with that.
0: Oh,
1: so it sounds uh, like X Machina was a ripoff.
2: Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> one of the uh, earliest. I mean, the Germans made a bunch of films about uh, scientists creating women. Like there's Maria from Metropolis, and there's yeah. Um But yeah, I think it's the first one where she's like uh, a scientist creates woman to be a perfect woman. I and mean, I guess Frankenstein sort of does that as well. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, it's is is. Quite a few scenes. If you're into formidable 40s style negligee, then this is the movie for you because the women are in that quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, let's see. Uh, Man Without a Body from 1957. This is another British science fiction movie. Uh, came out two years later in the US. Um, this is back when you could sit in a surgery when a surgery was going on and smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so this is from uh, one, one of the directors is uh, W. Lee Wilder, who is uh, Billy Wilder's brother. Uh, oh, wow. he, he directed uh, Killers from Space, so you know what his oh. so you know, talent was in the family.
1: Wow. I did not realize that was Billy Wilder's brother who directed that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ooh.
2: So this one, you got uh, Carl Brassard, who's played by George Colores. He's a tycoon who's dying of a brain tumour, and uh, he hears about this transplant surgeon in London named Phil Merritt, who's played by Robert Hutton from The Slime People. Um, so Phil Merritt has successfully transplanted monkey brains. So this uh, tycoon reckons, well, he can swap my brain with, some, with someone younger and then I can go on living. Um, so uh, he wants a great man's brain to be put into this body so that he can use this great brain and be this like superhuman tycoon. So uh, to get uh, inspiration for what great man's brain he wants, he goes to Madame de Swords <laughs> and goes on a tour. So it shows you a bit of 1950s Madame de Swords Wax Museum. And uh, so he talks about Henry VIII, et cetera. And then he gets to uh, Nostradamus and he goes, oh, that's my man. So. Um, uh they he, he goes to uh he, he hires a bunch of crooks they go to paris they bust open nostradamus's crypt and nostradamus was like around in like the early 15 early to mid 1500s mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah
2: so yeah he's, he's he's pretty moldy by this time you suspect you know but yeah, the, pretty the, much but, is left. yeah they're pretty confident that they can restore his brain So um, they bring that back to London. They just take the head and they hide the head inside a bust of, uh, uh, what was it? Um, Yeah, bust of his mistress, Odette. Um, So (laughs) they bring that back, crack it open and then they stick it in a tank. And lo and behold, it comes back to life. Uh, You've got this laboratory with, you've got this like Nostradamus's head in a bubbly tank. You've got things on the wall like a human arms and an eyeball that swivels around. And uh, on the table, there's a monkey's head that that, looks around. Um, This this movie is so ridiculous and it's only 77 minutes long, but somehow the talent of this director makes it plod along just, it's just uh, merciless how slow it seems to go by. Uh, But the ending is great. Let's see. Uh The Wacky World of Dr. Morgus. This is a this is one of the few movies about a horror host. Yeah. So you know what? Uh um, so when the monster boom started in the late 50s, if, if I'm right. So when the Universal sold their monster movies as a package to TV, local stations would play these things over and over. And and on weekends late at night, local uh characters would uh, host them
0: yes. right
2: so before this you had vampire and then you had so it'd be Zachary and right who was chicago when that was
0: um Guli. the original yeah we had the original Guli, who was uh, jerry g bishop and now it's right. uh, rich coes who was one of his writers oh great and he took on the mantle called called himself son of Guli, and then uh I, apparently, Jerry G. Bishop said, just call yourself Svengulli. You are him. Okay. You're him now.
2: He, he's not grandson of thing.
0: No, no. And, and he was okay. uh, the original Svengulli was a hippie type character. And uh, yeah, modern Svengulli is now a uh, undertaker type character.
2: OK. Yeah. So this this was the New Orleans one uh, in the early 60s. Uh, Dr. Alexander Morgus uh, and the actress Sid Noel. Um and you know, when a movie calls itself wacky, you're just mm. braced for the worst nonstop rollercoaster laughs. <laughs>
0: um,
2: so he, he, uh, he's got this, uh, instant people machine which can turn people to sand and then bring them back with rehydration. So it's kind of a, uh, before Batman, the movie.
0: That's um, right where my mind went.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, and it's got one of those soundtracks which tells you that it's being hilarious. So it just makes it even worse. Um, <laughs> for him and his assistant they actually look quite scary. And the, 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 it's shot with lots of shadows and his assistant is this big guy with his executioner's hood on. And because they're like not funny at all and they're like just experimenting on people and drilling into their heads and so on, it's supposed to be funny and wacky. But it's just kind of creepy. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like that. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, but he was popular enough that he had a he had this movie, he had a comic strip, he had a, a record about him, and uh, yeah, he, he he kept going on and off into into the eighties. Wow. So, yeah,
0: that's a, that's a good that's a good run.
2: Um, the Dead Don't Die It's the TV movie from nineteen seventy five. There's been a like three movies called The Dead Don't Die now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's directed by Curtis Harrington, who did Ace uh, TV and um, you know, theatrical movies. Um, scripted by Robert Bloch. Uh, stars John George Hamilton as Don Drake. And the cast is like, uh, they, they got Ray Milland, uh, Linda Crystal, Ralph Meeker, Joan Blondell, Nalder, Yvette Vickers. And... Um, This one's about uh, voodoo in the 1930s uh, Chicago, I think. Uh, So uh, George Hamilton plays Don Drake, whose brother, Ralph, gets the chair. And uh, Ralph uh, starts turning up. He glimpses him outside the window and so on. Um, Ray Moland runs a dance marathon, which is a kind of carnival of souls feel to it. This guy's organ playing and all these people are shuffling around like zombies. Reginald, uh, he gets this scene that kids remember. If it, if you saw it when you're a kid, you remember the scene where Reginald is in a coffin in his funeral parlour, and he gets out the coffin. Uh, Reginald, uh, he's this uh, very uh, emaciated face, and uh, he was in uh, Bird with Crystal Plumage as one of the assassins, and he was in um, uh, Salem's Lot as the vampire. Oh wow. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Don falls for a woman who's been executed by a guillotine. <laughs> she wears this uh, wears this jewelry to hide the uh, st- stitch marks.
0: Yeah, never trust a woman with a choker jewelry. Uh, yeah. uh,
2: unfortunately, the uh, print I watched was on YouTube and it's really wobbly and murky. It's hard to make out what happens at night.
0: Mm.
2: Um, I saw another Android woman movie called *The Tin Girl* from 1970. Uh, this is a, an Italian one by uh, Marcello Alaprandi. Uh This one is really self, uh, self-indulgent, self-consciously arty. Uh, so I kind of liked the. Uh, uh, the uh, comes comes up with some really good images. Um, this is about a man who tries to break away from his conformist uh, career and he fixates on this alluring beauty uh, who has a taste for medieval armor. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a good story, but it goes on a bit long, I think. Um, uh, the Man Who Thought Life. This is a Danish movie from 1969. Uh, this is a beautiful looking movie. It's, it's this very wide aspect ratio, uh, black and white, um, full range of greys. It's a uh really nicely shot uh, if you're into Kubrick you'll see you know from shot one it this uses a lot of one point perspective mm-hmm. but it, it's uh it, it's not like just paying tribute to Kubrick it's really meaningful why they're doing that Oh, good um so this is about uh there's a surgeon who he's a neurological surgeon and uh he's got his, uh, he's got everything he's got his Beautiful actress, wife, uh, beautiful home, uh, great career. Uh, then he meets this uh, uh, patient uh, who claims that uh, he can bring things about with the power of his mind. Uh, and he wants to be operated on to make himself even more powerful because he can generate objects. Um, and he can. And he's generated a mouse for a couple of days at a time but he wants to be able to generate full on organic beings and, uh, but he needs an operation in order to, to do that. Um, and I won't tell you any more because it's uh, it's really neat. Uh, I, I like this one a lot. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I watched uh, Baloo the demon baboon. This is from 1913. Uh, <laughs> half of this movie survives. This is uh, this was interesting. I've wanted to see this uh, for ages. Um, Uh, this is like a really early ape movie, but it has all the contents of the later ones. Uh, so you have this, uh, uh, ape is brought back from Java to the scientists and they, uh, they do experiments and make it more human. And then they pretty much reject it. Um, and, uh, but it's fallen in love with a beautiful woman and, uh, that brings about its tragic end. Hmm. Um, uh, saw so another Mexican one called uh, El Baúl Macarbo. This is from 1936. Uh, this, is a, this is another Mexican uh, uh, mad scientist movie, and um, this actually stars Rene Cardona, who directed a bunch of them in the you know from the 50s onwards. Um, this has got a ridiculously Mickey Mouse soundtrack, which I didn't like. Uh, You've got a scientist and a deformed assistant to drain the blood of young women to uh, sustain his wife. So, he's, so we've got a uh who's the ice fella from batman
1: mr Freeze?
2: yeah 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 so he he's in the long tradition of scientists who are doing horrible things to other people in order to sustain their wives, loved one yeah um it's got a quite surprising bit for the mid-30s where uh, this bum tracks this scientist who's like dropping off things in these bins in the street at night and he uh he thinks he's just dropping off Well, he doesn't know what he's dropping off, but he looks rich. So he follows him and he he sticks his hand in the bin and pulls out this human arm.
0: Oh, nice.
2: Uh, Yeah, I was was quite surprised to see that. Um, Let's see. I watched uh, Zombie 4 After Death. Um, This is uh, one of the Italian uh, ones that followed on from Zombie. Uh, It's not actually officially part of the series, but it's lumped in with them. Uh, These scientists who were... they, they gather on an island to experiment on cell regeneration, and uh, this local girl uh, they treat dies of cancer, and she happens to be the daughter of a voodoo priest, and he throws a curse over the island, and all the dead arise, and everyone's killed. Twenty years later, the girl, the adult girl, comes back. Uh, she, she was like the only survivor, and. Uh, there's a bunch of mercenaries and there's a bunch of uh, investigators and uh, they find uh, the book of the dead. And of course, this being a horror movie, they read the book of the dead and uh, everything goes wrong again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This has got a completely
2: nonsensical ending. uh, Very goopy. uh, Delivers on the gore and stuff, but it's so flat and it's just, it's just tired. It's like the, fag end of the zombie cycle. Uh, So another Mexican one called Cemetery of Terror from 1985. Um, This one's actually uh, a Halloween crossed with zombie movie. Uh, Literally, it's uh, it's three uh, young uh, doctors or medical students. They tell their girlfriends that they're going to have this uh, party. And they say, oh, it's going to be this big jet set party at this mansion. Um, but they're lying because it, they just want to get these girls back to this grotty old haunted mansion <laughs> and uh, with a bunch of booze and have their wicked way. And uh, so the, the girls get there and, uh, they, they're, and they're really angry and they won't have anything to do with the, with the lads. So the lads are really angry at the women uh, because they're not uh, they're not interested in, in them. Uh you know, go figure. Um, so the lads say, hey, we've got a great idea. Let's go to the mortuary, steal the ugliest body we can find, take it to the cemetery. Uh, and we've got this book of Devlon we found in this old house and we'll read the rites from the book of Devlon on how to bring back a, a dead person. Meanwhile, there's this, uh, there's Dr. Uh, Cardam, played by Hugo Stiglitz, who you'll remember from Nightmare City. Yeah. Um, He's 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 playing this Dr. Loomis type who's desperately looking, uh, he he wants to get the corpse of Devlon, who's this mass murderer, because uh, he sees him as superhuman and he wants to get this corpse and burn it because he, you know, he doesn't trust it or stay down. So guess whose body gets stolen from the mortuary? Take him back to the cemetery, he gets revived. And, uh, and then goriness ensues but that's not the end of it because uh, then there's a there's, meanwhile meanwhile there's a group of kids actual kids uh, who are trick-or-treating and they want they want to go into the cemetery and uh, get to the center of the cemetery uh, do something stupid and then run back out of the cemetery that's their uh, that's their fun for the Halloween night so this all comes together and uh, it's a' uh, You've got this uh undead killer called Devlon who's who who's literally a slasher He doesn't use weapons he's got this uh, he's got these stubby fingers with claws and uh, so he just slashes people until they die. It's, it gets pretty gory um, It's quite convoluted but the uh, yeah when once it opens up that can kind of bonkers once once everyone's come together it's uh, pretty crazy um,
0: That sounds cool. like fun
2: yeah, so uh, that was it.
0: Well, you did get some watching in. So any listeners who heard you saying you were working and couldn't watch movies, now they know what what amount of movies you will watch given the opportunity. So The Frighteners. Um, yeah. yeah, we watched this one. Uh, now, if uh, if you all remember, I was saying, well, you know, uh, I was really into uh, the performance of um, Jeffrey Combs in Reanimator as uh, Dr. Herbert West. And uh, I heard him on a podcast talking about how he sort of developed, you know, he helped develop his character for the Frighteners. And I felt like, well, I remember feeling kind of like a Tales from the Crypt or something like that when I watched it. And I remember being a little less like, I mean, it was it was more comedic and less like straightforward horror, but it had a lot of, you know, really spooky effects in it. So well, I need to give it another watch. I, I think I probably saw it around when it came out or was released on, you know, whatever form of video there was at the time. And so, um, uh, it, it was my pick and, uh I watched it last night. So, uh, before I say what I think of it, uh, and you own a copy of it. Uh-huh. What do you think of the movie?
2: Uh, I think it's my, <clears throat> the, peter jackson film i like the least
0: (laughs) yeah it was directed by peter jackson and uh produced by peter jackson and jamie selkirk who i'm not very familiar with um what part did zemeckis have in this i want to say he was involved one of the
2: exec producers i
0: think uh, that must have been it let me see um Anyway, we had uh, music by Danny Elfman. So some top shelf stuff there, some good casting. But uh, yeah, you own it. It's your least favorite Peter Jackson. So yeah. what's your most favorite Peter Jackson?
2: Uh, Lord of the Rings the it, trilogy.
0: Yeah. Uh, is King Kong up there too, the remake?
2: Uh, I do enjoy that one. Uh, <laughs> I really like his early, the ones he did before this. like uh, So just before this, he did Heavenly Creatures. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, but but meet the Feebles. uh, They're working on restoring these his really early ones for a box set. So meet the Feebles and Bad Taste and uh, yeah, yeah,
0: Uh, yeah. um, Yeah, I would say uh, as as Peter Jackson goes, um, you know, it, it spans from humble beginnings to like epic stuff. So. You got plenty in between, right? Yeah. <laughs> this being one of them. <laughs> um, have yeah, you... this was his
2: transition because he, he 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 done the low budget ones, yeah, and then he got this uh, Weta, the the special effects house, production house. They had one computer, and then in order to do the frighteners, they had to get more, so they ended up with three dozen computers. So that by the end of it, he was worried what he was going to do. Yeah. Uh, so they thought, well, what kind of movie could we make, which would take this many computers? Uh, so <laughs> what fantasy movie could we make? And then so you know what happened?
0: Yeah, he's sitting there scratching his chin. Hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hmm. That uh, explains a lot.
0: What do you think of heavenly creatures as far as like, uh, the, the tone of it? Cause I can tell you a personal experience, but I want to hear what you guys think of heavenly creatures.
1: I remember really liking that movie. Yeah. Um, I have not seen it probably since it came out on video, though. Um, Frighteners, I saw, I believe I saw it in the theater. I do remember being really disappointed with it um, at the time. Um, I felt that it was way overhyped. I remember uh, they played the hell out of the ads with the the ghost coming out of the wall. Yeah. And. And they made a big deal about Michael J. Fox, uh, who had kind of quit acting for a while, um, coming back. And, uh, I'm not sure if at the time, I'm sure I was, uh, aware that Peter Jackson had directed this. Cause I, I would have seen heavenly creatures by then, I believe, um, as well as, uh, meet the feebles and brain dead. Um, uh, Um, but I don't remember, uh, if I was aware of that or not.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, heavenly creatures I thought was, you know, really a brilliant movie. It had, uh, you know, the, the, the two female characters, which it doesn't explicitly say what the relationship was like, but you could tell that they were, uh, very attracted to each other as more than just friends and, end up uh, well I don't think this is a big spoiler to say this um, (laughs) years and years later
2: it was a true case
0: yes it's apparently the woman is out of prison now but uh, they murder the girl's mom not
1: only that she writes murder mysteries
0: oh man (laughs) but uh, I I think maybe it was emotionally where I was at in my life at the time I I found the ending very upsetting because I didn't know what the story was going to be I'm like oh let's see where the story goes
2: they killed
0: her mom with a brick (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! I was kind of maybe missing my mom at the time because I I don't know like yeah. li- living pretty far it from the I family. Seen it much. Yeah, it's pretty pretty difficult ending to sort of digest.
2: Yeah,
0: but uh, but a very good movie and mm-hmm. excellent.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was amazed at it was just like him him going up he like levels.
0: <laughs> it's so stressful. First yeah. movies and
2: doing that, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And not afraid to take anything on. Obviously and uh, and of course he ends up you know, Lord of the Rings, like how do you top that, you know, as far as the visuals and
2: yeah, he's not hasn't done it yet,
0: right, well, yeah, the Hobbit movies didn't top it,
2: <laughs> yeah, first one was a chore, yeah, Ooh, so, yeah, I didn't watch the other two yeah, the other two that get get better it redeems itself, but.
0: Mm. so will, you didn't like this one, you didn't like the frighteners,
1: no. No, I did not like it at all this time. <laughs> the first time or uh, this time? <laughs> I was not happy with it the first time, I remember. But I... Whew, man, it's been 25 years and I've seen countless movies between then and now. And this movie... Well, last week we watched The Gate. That was my choice. Um, which was 1986, I believe. Um It felt less dated than The Frighteners. (laughs) The Frighteners, I felt like I was watching something from the 1950s written for slow-witted children. (laughs) Um, It was just, I could not believe it. I did not remember it being so, uh, quote-unquote, comedic. Uh, Although it was one of the most unfunny things I've seen. Um, computer.
2: yeah, I was trying to fi- figure out how, uh, why it was so unfunny. Um, I think it's because it was so in your face. The, yeah. The music was very, uh, this is funny. This is funny. And then the, and then the, I think comedy should be like, uh, a mid shot. So you can see both people, action, reaction, body yeah. language and everything. But this one, it just gets right up in your face, um, literally quite a bit of the time.
0: I feel, like, I the also, oh. I feel like the the visuals were like from the mask, you know, like somebody gets punched and then they shoot around the room like a rubber ball, you know, oh. that kind of a thing. And that doesn't work. <clears throat> that, that, you know, some of the things where the spirit gets knocked out of the body and then it's all confused for a moment, and then something ridiculous happens. It just didn't feel as funny as it was trying to be, by any means. I agree with that completely. Like, some of the stuff was funny, but it wasn't the stuff that was supposed to be.
1: <laughs> I also thought Michael J. Fox was miscast. I think this character needed to be about 50. Um, and a little, uh, schemy, like you, you know, you're being ripped off, yeah. you know, he's a con man, but then you see the ghost. So I think, you know, I couldn't think of an actor that would, could do it well other than, uh,
0: David Duchovny,
1: perhaps <laughs> David Duchovny, although he'd have to be now cause I'm right. thinking 1996, he wouldn't be old enough, but I was thinking James Wood's. He wanted to go sleazy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Or Harrison Ford may have been able to do it because he could play that kind of Han Solo scoundrel again.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: He could be very charismatic like Harrison Ford is. But at the same time, you know, the characters would be like, yeah, this is bullshit. This guy's ripping us off. And then they'd see the ghost. I think that may have worked. I think Michael J. Fox was just he's way too clean cut. Yeah, um, he did not fit the character at all. He seemed too young. Um, and only, yeah. a f-
0: only a few years off the tail end of, of the, uh, back to the future trilogy. Like, yeah. He only took what, three or four years off or whatever, or how, I don't know, however mm-hmm. many years, mm-hmm. eight, <laughs> I don't know
1: when, yeah, he, I think seven years. Yeah. Okay. But six, seven years or so hadn't It'd done been much. a while.
0: He hadn't done much in between.
1: I don't believe so. I think he had quit because of Parkinson's and uh, he came back for this and then he was in some TV show briefly. Yeah.
0: Was it spin city? Um,
1: That's it. That thank you. I I knew it was something city, but I could not remember it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So he hadn't done much. And like I said earlier, they really hyped this movie for his return. And I just, I don't know why they picked him. He does not fit.
0: Yeah. I think it was, Uh, they just wanted to go with somebody with the star power and the recognizable name and all of the success of his past work. And it's kind of like, yeah, why not just get him? You know, he's, he's a household name. That's, that's what they did. Uh, when he was driving in that, uh, what was that, a Volvo he was driving or a Saab or something? It's like, he's driving like the first scene you see him. And I'm just like looking at this car he's driving and I'm trying to figure out a, what is it? And B, is he so broke? It's like, Oh geez, doc, I can't even afford an interior to my car. (laughs) And then he arrives at home and there's no interior like wallboard put up in his house. It's just the studs and rafters. So we get it. He's broke. He can't have an interior to anything he's in or driving. And, uh, if he's such a good scammer, why is he so broke? What's he spending it on?
2: Yeah. How many times did you pull know. that scam in the little town? And
0: Yeah.
1: Coast? And what were the, why did the ghost hang around? What was their What were they getting out of it?
0: Yeah. I wondered the same thing. Um, I, I did like the costuming, the outdated costuming for the uh, ghosts. That was kind of fun.
1: <clears throat> it seems so on the nose. Sure. Um, I got up to the point where Lee Emery came out of his tomb. Oh. And I was like, nah, that's enough of this crap. Straight,
0: <laughs> straight up full metal jacket. Not even.
1: Uh, I couldn't. No, no, not even different. That character does not need to be in anything. He, uh, he he was, brilliant as a piece of full metal jacket and that's it. I don't need to see him in anything else. He's not an amusing person. He worked in that, that movie because it was a well-written movie that, you know, fit him in rather than just cramming this loudmouth asshole in things, you know. I don't know why people were enamored with him. Um <laughs> yeah. Was he playing the same character though, I wondered? Um, killed by uh, what's his name? You know.
0: Yeah, the the um the guy they called Gomer Pyle.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Vincent
1: D'Onofrio is all I can think of. Yeah, this the actual the actor I don't yeah. remember what his character's name was.
0: Yeah, they had nicknamed him Gomer Pyle, but
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, it it you do have to wonder is that supposed to be the ghost of that character from that movie? <laughs> I think so. Oh man. So uh did you spot that the judge with the jaw that fell off and all that was yeah. John John Aston?
1: Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Rick Baker makeup. Yeah. yeah. Rick Baker makeup.
0: Uh so he goes on to work with Sean Aston after this. The step the oh, stepson of true. John Aston, which is interesting. I imagine at some point he got to say, Hey, I know your dad. <laughs> <laughs> this was filmed entirely in New Zealand so yes everybody had to go live there for however long they were making this
2: yeah I think the town is Littleton
0: oh yeah Littleton yeah how quaint <laughs> it looked like it was supposed to be the northeast like Maine or something Did
2: they? yeah it's supposed to be California they have California plates
0: oh is that what they were it looked like it should have been the east coast not the west coast that's weird
1: no i thought it was oregon really yeah
0: that would make sense well i
1: mean i i knew it was new zealand like the second he went down that hill i was like this doesn't look like anything in right, the states right. um
0: they, they had to was, like, like edit out all the sheep
1: <laughs> yeah uh it just it looked a little too lush yeah. even for you know the greenest parts of the u.s it was too sort of tropical lush than uh Say temperate rainforest lush that you'd get somewhere here, except maybe in Florida. Yeah. But then there's no big hills, so where are they?
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like you watch all those old westerns, and uh, it's like that's clearly California. You just have to suspend your disbelief for for the visuals, I guess. Were they asking? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's not... I don't really care. Um, Maybe if they had uh, people who were obviously New Zealanders trying to act like Americans, perhaps. Yeah. That'd be annoying, but uh, there was a... Oh, what was it? The Invisible Man that came out a couple years ago, last year. Oh, yeah. uh, With Elizabeth Moss. It has this weird feel. Like, you watch it and you're like, this... This is supposed to be the U.S., like San Francisco. There's something wrong. This isn't right. And then you get to the end and you realize they filmed it all in Australia for <laughs> some reason. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those, like, Golan Globus Italian movies where you're like, mm, I, don't, I don't think this is really New York City. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you filmed some of the exteriors, but... Uh, how about the uh, the uh, shooting in the beginning of this? The uh, with the news footage that didn't age well. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, there's oh man, there's there's a crazy amount of uh, shootings here, and it's just like we can't we we can't make light of it, you know it's there's no levity to be had there. It can't be used as a device unless you're actually tackling them. You know, the, the problem, the issues that, that, that go with it. And there was some statistic on the news just the other night and they were like, we had something like 38 shootings in 30 days or something like that. Some crazy number and not cool. So, um, as the movie goes along, um, and we, we meet the Jake Busey character. Now, when you first saw this, did you know that Gary Busey had a kid? Or the second he was on screen, you knew that was Gary Busey's kid?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: it was either they de-aged him with all of this computer stuff, or it was his kid. And then you've watched the credits, and you went, Jake Busey, clearly that's that's the guy. Um, but what did you think of some of the other casting? As far as...
2: Uh, yeah, Dee Wallace is- She's
0: yeah. always good, yeah, d wallace stone at the time uh yeah she's she's great uh yeah Michael j. Fox, maybe not, but it seemed like otherwise you know th- there were some appropriate people, I don't know, like the uh the husband that was the the kind of uh workout guy, the really douchey guy uh he was over the top, I mean, there were some people who were just silly, but that's more the writing and directing, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Uh, Trini Alvarado was good as uh, Lucy Linsky. I thought Jeffrey Coombs was, he was chewing the scenery so much.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it just wasn't funny. That's, and that... then, uh, and then, uh, like, uh, then you get all that backstory of him being in the cults and stuff. And he's got like the Manson markings and yeah. stuff like that. It's just... Uh, it is it is ridiculous but not not
0: funny. And here's the thing about this, you know, I was hoping as part of having picked this, I was hoping to see him be the one that stood out in the movie as being like the one delivering the best performance and the one whose character was going to pull out ahead of the rest of them. And yeah, that didn't really happen because he was chewing the scenery and the character was a little ridiculous with the wearing a lead vest.
1: Yeah. What did he do? You think he, he realized early on that this was a stinker of a script and he was just like, Let's see what I can get away with? Well, he like uh, the Hitler the story is that Crispin Glover wanted uh, uh, McFly, uh, whatever his dad's name was, uh, George McFly to be a cholo when uh, Marty came back at the end of Back to the Future for whatever reason. <laughs> Probably because he was tired of being in the movie. And he was just like, yeah, let's see what I can get away with. <laughs> <laughs> they did not ask him back.
0: No. Yeah. They, they replaced him in, uh, with the, he uh, sued and won. Oh yeah. Cause they made him look and sound like him. They put makeup yeah. on him to look like him.
1: Yeah. They used a cast from his face from the first movie, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like
1: yeah, weird.
0: That's not Okay.
1: So, yeah, I wonder. I didn't get to the part with Jeffrey Combs. I don't remember his character. Um, well, uh,
0: Herbert so, West, but I But I wonder not good. if he didn't
1: just... Because <laughs> I know he helped develop this character a lot, so...
0: Yeah. He he wanted the Hitler haircut. He's, he's like, my character should have, like, the young Adolf Hitler haircut. And it's like, okay. He just wanted him to be overbearing and weird, but... In a movie like this, I guess for your character to be overbearing and or weird, you have to go too far because the whole rest of the movie is kind of overbearing and weird and not funny where it's trying to be funny. Yeah. So I think there's
2: too much going on.
0: Yeah, there is. Um, yeah. Yeah. By the end of the movie, either either you're, you're sick of it, rightfully so and ready for it to just wrap up and just like, okay, we're yeah. fine. Or you're not that smart and you think it's the best movie ever made. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. There's lots of these little scenes where it's like, yeah, it's really cool special effect, but that doesn't advance the story at all. Um, uh, yeah. There's, there's just too much. They're like every character had this bizarre backstory, which you get treated to. Yeah. Um,
1: it's not needed.
2: But, but yeah, some sometime into the second or third hour, I was, I was thinking if they, they were really good at doing this in the 40s where you'd have a romance involving uh, spirits from beyond and you might have some kind of crime to clear up some other story and you have this theme which is in the frighteners of uh, people being afraid of caring or dropping their shields you know that just keep it keep it focused on the theme because that's an interesting one, and you've got this romance going, um, and but uh, so many of the characters get equal time when it should be focused on the on the central theme and characters. Um, it just went on too long.
0: Yeah, it could <clears throat> it could definitely use or a, a rewrite before they shot it and then more editing after they were done. But the biggest problem I think I had with this was the special effects. I mean, other than the writing of, you know, the characters, the special effects were just in your face the whole movie. Like, you didn't get a break from it. You know, the Grim Reaper was leaping out of walls and ripping people's chests and shooting in through the air. And <clears throat> there were ghosts everywhere, you know, popping in and out of things. And it just didn't stop. And, you know, if you dial it down, make the audience want it, you know, that's the problem we've had with other movies is like, you, you're not left wanting it. You're given too much of it. It's like, yes, I like cake. I don't want an entire wedding cake for dinner. Yeah.
2: I I felt that uh, it's the first Peter Jackson film I saw where it felt compromised where uh, a studio wanted another Ghostbusters. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, what worked for Ghostbusters? Well, it was, uh, it was wacky and it had lots of special effects and people really love special effects. So,
1: hmm. Yeah, it, it had that feeling uh, early on that this is trying to be a Ghostbusters with a touch of poltergeist and Beetlejuice mixed in. Yeah. And it's not working. did you guys see uh peter jackson's cameo yeah
0: oh which one was he
1: he was the uh kind of fat punk kid who who ran into michael j fox coming out of a building oh with all the piercings reaper shirt yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah. i was like oh look there's peter jackson
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's done this in a lot of movies
1: oh yeah yeah it's a hitchcock thing oh sure you always watch those to see, you, you know, which Hitch going to show up.
0: Yeah. So, um, I guess, uh, this we're at a, about our normal length of time on the show. Uh, should we do the recommends? Yes. Will go ahead.
1: Highly recommend. Um, <laughs> watch it twice. Watch the director's cut, which I understand is 15 minutes longer
0: oh, and, wow.
1: uh, wackier. Add some wackiness that the that was sort of restrained in the uh, in the theatrical cut.
0: Lots, lots of
1: clunk. No, <laughs> avoid this. Go watch Ghostbusters, followed by Guys, followed by Beetlejuice. That's a good day.
0: <clears throat> Shaken or stirred? Which I mean, yeah. Uh, Julian, what about you?
2: Yeah, pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this one disappointed me. I was really hoping that, you know, I, I heard Jeffrey Combs talk on a podcast about how he, you know, helped develop the character, and I was hoping to see him kind of stand out more in a good way. But not just be another, you know, overdone character. And, uh, you know, he clearly was doing something that he wanted to do, but I don't know what that was. And uh, I'd, okay. rather, I'd rather watch him in Reanimator. <laughs> yeah. On that yeah. note, uh, I bought I bought the disc of uh, Rea- Bright of Reanimator yesterday.
1: <laughs> oh, nice!
0: Yeah, I was.
1: I uh, yeah, I had hoped rewatching this it would uh, maybe I I would like it. I would appreciate it yeah. because I had remembered being disappointed by it and had not watched it since. But ooh, yeah, a good
0: one. <laughs> Rewatch Redemption, not happening. Uh, here. <laughs> looking
1: at looking at reviews. Um, Online, somebody made mention. I don't know if this is true, is why I'm bringing this up. That they thought this was kind of a ripoff of an Indian movie called Clerk. Have either of you heard of this? No, it sounds like it's he runs the same sort of scam. He he has ghost friends and he can see ghosts, and so he has some haunt places. Uh, it might be something we look for. Um, I'll try and find it.
0: Yeah, Clerk interesting
1: not clerks no no
0: that's definitely different <laughs> so um for next not p- an
1: indian person in the whole movie
0: no uh so for next week jolene i think it's your pick isn't it
2: um yeah right do you want to do another jeffrey coombs
0: sure sure
2: <clears throat> all right i'll uh, i'll send you um necronomicon cool oh okay and hopefully so he say watch for it.
0: Okay. Okay. Hopefully Sounds he redeems good. himself. <laughs> One can only hope. All right. Anything else before we get out of here?
1: I don't think so. All right. So maybe next week we can meet in person.
0: I'm ready. If you guys are ready, I'm ready. I'll just, uh, make sure there's a appropriate number of mic stands and chairs in this room and, uh, we'll do it.
1: Well, awesome. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's gonna be weird, though, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> real weird.
0: All right, You're guys. Have to wear
1: I pants. Touch your face.
0: Pants, man. <laughs> no mask, but yes, pants.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's call it a show. Okay. Listeners, thank you for listening.
1: Frighteners? Why bother? <laughs> <laughs> that was the catch line. That was the poster, right? It's on the poster. That was the poster, right? <laughs> <laughs>